It affects millions around the globe. It's called Hope Deferred, and it makes the heart sick. In his book, Hope Deferred, Dr. David Harabedian has found a spiritual remedy to stop those debilitating effects for good. Now in audio format. Hope Deferred, Overcoming Disappointment and Achieving Victory, Freedom from Bondage by David C. Harabedian. Edited by Jeff L. Gay. 2019 Heart Publishing, 449 West Silver Star Road, Unit 12, Ocoee, Florida, 34761. Reproduction in whole with no changes can be obtained for low-cost distribution by permission. Contact info at virtualchurchmedia.com. Hope Deferred Makes the Heart Sick. The Old Testament book of wisdom says, Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Proverbs 13, 12 from the King James Version. Other translations read, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. New International Version. The New Living Translation reads like this, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when dreams come true, there is life and joy. Recently, the Holy Spirit illuminated the above proverb during a prayer time with a saintly woman in the course of a phone conversation. I was going through an increasingly difficult time spiritually, emotionally, and physically, though I hadn't voiced it to anyone. On this day, I had simply asked for prayer for pain throughout the left side of my back. As she began to pray, she suddenly stopped in mid-sentence and said, Oh my, you're suffering from deferred hope. I thought, What is deferred hope? Then calmly, yet with noticeable authority, she spoke directly to the problem. Deferred hope, in the name of Jesus, I break you off my brother's life right now and order you not to return to him again. Instantly, I was delivered. The pain in my back left simultaneously. It was miraculous. The only way I can describe what occurred is to say that all the chronic pain in my back, neck, and shoulders that had been increasing in intensity for the last six to eight months snapped off me like a tightly stretched rubber band being cut with a knife. I was free. Then, in the same gentle voice of authority, she said, I now replace these areas in your life with God's desire fulfilled, which the Bible says is a tree of life. When she spoke these words, my mind, which had been saturated with frustration and tormented with stress and chronic disappointment, was suddenly purged with the inflooding mind of Christ. My faith level spiked instantaneously. My spiritual vision was renewed like an eagle. Said another way, it was as if my viewpoint and understanding of my life and its seemingly arduous circumstances suddenly changed. It was as though God showed me heaven's perspective, his aerial point of view on the life issues I'd been struggling with. At the same time, my heart was filled with new anticipation and godly optimism of what the Lord was about to do for me as well as through my life for others. In a word, hope was restored. As I stood amazed and praised God for this mighty deliverance, a renewed vigor and strength to finish the course set before me filled my soul. I then realized God had just supernaturally delivered me from unseen spiritual forces that had been hindering my life, oppressing my mind, and tormenting my body, spiritual forces that had been increasing in effect against me for a period of nearly three years. During this time, I knew something was awry, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it until I was delivered. Now it all crystallized instantly.
These forces of darkness had been subtle. Somehow, through my ignorance, they had increasingly hindered and oppressed my mind and body, and had begun to vex my spirit. After hanging up the phone from this prayer encounter, the Holy Spirit began to reveal to me how subtle yet devastating deferred hope can be to a person. In reality, if it wasn't for the intervening hand of God through that saintly woman, deferred hope could have easily prevailed against me, derailing me in my walk with the Lord. I could have been shipwrecked in my faith as the Bible warns in 1 Timothy 1, 18-20. I became aware of how I had nearly been destroyed because of my ignorance regarding this overlooked biblical subject of deferred hope. Chapter 2. What exactly is deferred hope? Hope deferred is a life test that everyone must face at some point. This test may happen more than once in different forms. For example, hope deferred might come as a trial before receiving a promotion, a long wait before you or a loved one is free from drugs or healed from illness, or just before your advancement to the next level of spiritual growth or maturity. Realizing we are in a hope-deferred test is more than half the battle. It's easier to remain focused until we get to the other side. This revelation enables and empowers us not to lose hope. By doing so, we will win every time. If we lose focus and allow circumstances to distract or dissuade us, we might lose hope, suffer a setback, or fail the test. Remember, if we don't prevail, We'll just have to repeat the test, usually with a different set of circumstances and often with different people involved. In 1880, Thomas Edison experienced hope deferred before finding the right filament for his world-shaking light bulb invention. It is said that Edison tried 10,000 different filaments before finding one that succeeded that lit up the world. When asked what it was like to fail so many times, Edison replied, I have not failed 10,000 times. I've successfully found 10,000 ways that it won't work. This perspective enabled Edison to defeat hope deferred and birth his world-changing invention to the masses. Robert Downey Jr., the famous Hollywood actor, was a drug addict for many years while acting with numerous arrests, in and out of rehab, serving jail time. Downey was addicted since age six when his drug addict father gave him marijuana he used drugs with his father for many years when young. Finally, Downey overcame the addictions and became one of the most influential and successful actors in Hollywood. In 1976, at age 21, Steve Jobs, a college dropout, started Apple. At age 30, Jobs was fired as CEO. It would be 12 years before he was allowed back into his own company. Jobs then took Apple to stratospheric levels, becoming the first trillion-dollar company while providing technology and products to almost every household on the planet. Jobs passed the test of hope deferred and got up again. If our hearts become sick through deferred hope, then other areas of our life will suffer as well. This includes our attitude, spiritual vision, physical and mental health, and our love relationships with Jesus and others. All these things had been severely affected prior to my deliverance, all because I was ignorant of this strategic tool of the enemy. The Old Testament prophet Hosea said it this way, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, Hosea 4.6. Under the New Covenant, the Apostle Paul admonished, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices, 
2 Corinthians 2.11. I believe it is a safe statement to say that the devil's ability to keep us defeated is directly related to his ability to keep us ignorant on spiritual matters. This is why I'm sharing with you this victory from the Lord against deferred hope. Edison passed the test. So did Steve Jobs, as have thousands of others. You can pass the hope-deferred test, too. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in time of disaster and collapse. Proverbs 24.16, Amplified Version. Hope deferred may be testing you now. This could be the reason you're reading, listening, or about to share this book. Maybe you feel like you've fallen. Choose to get back up today. Finish the course. Stay focused. Pass the test and receive the promise, promotion, or provision awaiting you. You are called to pass this test. You are an overcomer. My heartfelt desire is that by the time you finish reading what the Holy Spirit revealed to me from the Scriptures and my experience, you too will be delivered from any of the negative effects that deferred hope has sent against your life. For God is no respecter of persons. Acts 10.34 Chapter 3. Let us not be ignorant of the enemy's devices. The first thing the Lord showed me about deferred hope was that it comes against us through three primary elements. Number one, life circumstances bring disappointment when they delay our God-given desires from being fulfilled. Number two, any mindset that is contrary to the Word of God. And finally, number three, an evil spirit that comes to hinder and oppress us, to sicken us in heart, once these first two natural forces are in place. When these three elements of deferred hope arrive in combination, they can be a three-ply cord that is not easily broken, Ecclesiastes 4.12. At this point, we need supernatural deliverance from heaven to set us free. The ironic part is that once we get to this third stage of bondage, we usually don't even realize we've been trapped and brought into captivity by the enemy. I believe most people will experience hope deferred at some time in their lives. In fact, hope deferred can be a common experience, more common than most would like to admit or are aware of. I was uninformed when it happened to me. Once deferred hope has a stronghold in our lives, the enemy of our souls will try to capitalize on this weakness in our spiritual armor. Satan will test our spirit by sending a spirit of discouragement to compound the matter. If we aren't careful, or we're ignorant of the enemy's strategies, this can catapult us into a spiritual tailspin and eventual crash, or as the scripture calls it, shipwrecked in our faith. I believe this is what may have happened to Hymenaeus and Alexander. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them, you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these, and so have shipwrecked their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, to be taught not to blaspheme. 1 Timothy 1, 18-20, New International Version. Paul was warning Timothy against losing his focus or taking his eye off the prize. Paul had prophesied over Timothy, but warfare was coming against him to contradict these prophetic words. Evidently, Paul had also spoken words of prophecy over Hymenaeus and Alexander, but something caused them to lose focus. I believe life's circumstances contradicted the prophecies, 
which is common to man. This is why Abraham hoped against hope and continued to believe in hope, and then finally received his promise from God and became the father of many nations, Genesis 17, 4 and 5. Abraham had to stand against deferred hope for 25 years before Isaac was born. If Abraham had yielded to deferred hope or shrank back from God's promise, he would have missed God's best for him. In fact, at one point, Abraham yielded to the very real circumstances of Sarah's dead womb, coupled with her worldly advice to sleep with her maid, Hagar. This fleshly union produced a child named Ishmael, the father of the Arab people. Many within this people group in the Middle East have persecuted Jews and Christians for the last 4,000 years, relentlessly murdering them in the name of Allah. Deferred hope was at the root of this birthing, and its negative fruit continues to this very day. If only Abraham had known. God recovered Abraham in time, and Isaac, the child of promise, was born through Sarah's supernaturally resurrected womb. Christ came through this bloodline, and the blessing of Abraham has come upon all who receive Jesus. Hallelujah! In the case of Hymenaeus and Alexander, the outcome was ugly. When they experienced the spiritual warfare of deferred hope, instead of standing on the prophetic word spoken through Paul, they yielded to the trap set for them. The circumstances of life, its accompanying mindset of defeat, and the demonic influence that turned them against the Apostle Paul won that round. Their hearts became sick, and they began to slander God's anointed leaders. As a result, they were handed over to Satan so they might learn not to blaspheme. Ouch! 1 Timothy 1.20 May we learn from their wretched example and not make the same mistake. May we rather be like the numerous heroes of faith who stood firm in the face of such trials and emerged victorious in Christ Jesus. Chapter 4 11 Examples of God's People Who Experienced Deferred Hope Moses Moses, at age 40, killed an Egyptian in the power of his own flesh. Instead of waiting for God's instructions on how to properly fulfill the call of deliverer on his life, as a result, he was banished from Egypt and the very people he was called to deliver. Exodus 2, 11-15 He was stuck on the backside of the mountain for 40 years, waiting on God a second time, until he was 80. Exodus 2, 11-15 Why are you on the backside of the mountain during this season of your life? Do not despair. God still has a plan, and if you're patient and don't lose focus again, he will raise you up to fulfill the destiny He has for you. God eventually called Moses to be the deliverer of three million slaves being held in Egypt, Exodus 3.10. Then in the wilderness, Moses faced 40 more years of hope deferred, along with these same three million souls who now were corporately blaming him for bringing them to the desert to die. As a result, Moses became angry, struck the rock twice, and disqualified himself from entering the Promised Land, Numbers 28-12. The Children of Israel The children of Israel were frequently Moses' thorn in the flesh. They experienced hope deferred as slaves to a pagan king in Egypt for 430 years, Exodus 12:40. They yielded to hope deferred in less than 40 days while waiting for their spiritual leader, Moses, to return from the mountain with instructions from God. Deuteronomy 9.9 Their hearts became sick, and they sought out another god of their own making, saying, 
This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Exodus 32.8 They blasphemed God, attributing the words of God to the devil. As a result, they began worshiping a golden calf and having an orgy. 1 Corinthians 10.7-11 The children of Israel then experienced hope deferred for 40 years in the wilderness. Exodus 16.35 However, God was faithful because they never lacked anything. For the Lord thy God hath blessed thee in all the works of thy hand. He knoweth thy walking through this great wilderness. These forty years the Lord thy God hath been with thee. Thou hast lacked nothing. Deuteronomy 2.7 from the King James Version. The children of Israel lost restraint and demanded meat instead of angels' food because they were tired of manna every day. Numbers chapter 11. God answered their prayers by giving them an abundance of quail for the next 30 days. It got to the point that they loathed this food and wanted to return to manna again. Numbers 11.20 Many died with the meat still in their mouths, while others suffered a plague. Numbers 11.33 The children of Israel spent 40 years walking in circles because of their unwillingness to believe the promise of God. When it was their divinely appointed hour to take the promised land, they shrank back in fear instead of stepping out in faith. Then, after God pronounced judgment on them for their disobedience and unbelief, they reacted wrongly to the spirit of hope deferred. They foolishly went up against the Amalekites without God's blessing and were driven back in the process. Numbers 14, 24-33 and 40-45 through 45. They, like the Pharisees and Sadducees, missed their day of visitation. Luke 19, 44. Let's learn from their example. Don't miss your day of visitation when the Lord's anointing is in the house. Receive your healing, your day of salvation, being born again, your deliverance from nicotine, drugs, alcohol, sex addiction, masturbation, etc. The children of Israel reacted wrongly to hope deferred, and their hearts became sick. The Bible says they tempted God ten times in the wilderness by murmuring against Him. This caused their own destruction by serpents. 1 Corinthians 10.9 Again and again they turned away and tempted God to kill them and limited the Holy One of Israel from giving them His blessings. Psalm 78.41 from the Living Bible Sarah Sarah was suffering from hope deferred. She had lost the vision of giving her husband a child. She laughed when the angel spoke to her. Genesis 18.12 In her disbelief, she gave her husband bad advice and Ishmael was birthed through an unholy union that still inflicts harm against the people of God 4,000 years later. Abraham Abraham, the father of faith, experienced hope deferred for 25 years while waiting for the promise of a child who would make him the father of many nations. Finally, at age 100, Abraham laughed at, uh, disbelieved, the possibility of having a child when the messenger angel visited him. Genesis 17, 17. Abraham slept with his concubine, Hagar, at the prompting of his wife, Sarah. They both, in effect, tried to help God do the miracle. God called it a work of the flesh. So an Ishmael was born, costing the lives of hundreds of thousands of Jews and Christians through the wars and Islamic Jihad over the last 4,000 years. Sometimes, the accusing voice of Satan will speak into our minds in the first person, causing us to think his words are our own thoughts. 
When this happens, we tend to relax or shrink back in our stance against his lies. He will often begin speaking statements like, I guess God wants me to help him fulfill the promise myself. We will then think that his voice is our own and accept these thoughts. He will even quote scripture to us out of context saying, the Bible does say faith without works is dead. However, he won't tell us to wait on God and for his timing in such matters, but rather encourage us to take matters into our own hands. Scripture after scripture warns against such actions apart from God's timing. Jesus was tempted by the devil to take matters into his own hands during his 40 days in the wilderness and turn stones into bread when he was hungry. Luke 4, 2-4 But Jesus refused to misuse his power. Instead, Jesus waited on God, overcame the temptations, and then the devil left him for a more opportune time. Jesus passed these tests and then returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke 4:14. Miracles began to accompany Jesus, and a great fame spread abroad about him, verses 14 to 15. He was now able to fulfill his ministry. He set the captives free, preached the gospel unto the poor, and healing virtue even flowed to those who touched his garment by faith, Mark 6:56. Jesus is our example. He learned obedience through the things he suffered, Hebrews 5:8. Hebrews also tells us that we have need of patience, that after we have done the will of God, we might receive the promise. Hebrews 10.35 But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Isaiah 40.31 from the New International Version. Joseph Joseph effectively stood against hope deferred while in prison on false rape charges. He was called by God to be the deliverer of Egypt, the Egyptians, and his own Israelite family. Even after God's intervention, with a sign for good to show that he was still with Joseph, he still waited in faith for two more years behind bars, Genesis 40:13-14 and 41:1. 22 years later, God performed the miracle. God was then able to raise Joseph up to become a deliverer of two nations. Anna the Prophetess Anna the Prophetess stood faithfully against deferred hope for 60 years, praying and fasting in the temple of God. She received the promise of the consolation of Israel, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. She kept focused and steadfast on the vision and refused to cast off restraint. Luke 2, 36-38 The Disciples the disciples experienced deferred hope while waiting for Jesus to take over Rome as their king. They expected him to deliver the children of Israel from Roman rule and to restore Jerusalem to its rightful place in history. Judas tried to expedite the process by selling out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. His plan was to force him to use his divine authority as Messiah to defeat the Romans and fulfill the Old Testament prophecies of his eternal government. Instead, Judas's heart became sick, and he committed suicide. The disciples' hearts became sick when Jesus was crucified. Matthew 27:38. They went back to fishing. John 21:3. The zealots experienced hope deferred while waiting for the Messiah for an undetermined number of years. They yielded to deferred hope, and their hearts became sick. They turned to violence to accomplish the prophecy in their own strength and power, killing Romans in the name of God. Consequently, they were arrested and executed. 
More than 30,000 were crucified by the Roman government during this time. Gehazi Gehazi experienced deferred hope while waiting to be commissioned by God as a prophet after Elisha. Gehazi lost vision, cast off restraint, and then stole money from the ministry, two talents or 150 pounds of silver, and two high-quality garments. This self-realized vision in his mind would enable him to leave the ministry and go into private business, 2 Kings 5, 20-27. Gehazi became leprous as a result, verse 27. Lot's daughters. Lot's two daughters suffered from deferred hope. Once fire destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, there were no men left alive. Instead of waiting for proper husbands from the Lord, they yielded to the spirit of deferred hope. Their hearts became sick. They schemed to get their father intoxicated in order to have sex with him. Both daughters became pregnant as a result of these incestuous unions, and they gave birth to two wicked nations, the Ammonites and Moabites, biblical enemies of God's people. Herod Herod reacted wrongly to deferred hope while under Roman rule. He joined the Romans in their wicked Hellenistic ways, bringing destruction on himself and the Jews who were in agreement with him. Be very careful whom you align yourself with. What has deferred hope tempted you to do recently? Chapter 5 Hope deferred is a common test and temptation for every believer. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. 1 Corinthians 10.13 from King James Version With each temptation, God always makes a way of escape. If we will seek Him, He will always lead us in triumph. 2 Corinthians 2.14 As we discussed earlier, hope deferred can also be accompanied by an evil spirit. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6.10-18 New International Version. Job's wife also suffered from deferred hope when she lost her children and everything they owned. She then told her husband to curse God and die. Job 2.9. Satan was attacking Job through his distressed wife with demonically inspired words. The same is true today. For there is nothing new under the sun. What has been done will be done again. Ecclesiastes 1.9. New International Version. When your miracle is delayed, the devil may also send people to ask you, where is the promise of his coming? They may word it this way, if your God is with you, where is he today? Give up this silly Christian stuff and try something that really works. Peter warned against this demonic strategy, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. 2 Peter 3, 3 and 4. Satan will send scoffers to add insult to the injury that hope deferred inflicted. What he seeks is for you to curse God to his face. Don't yield to this temptation, but press on, hoping against hope in Jesus' mighty name. God is able to hasten His Word to perform it in your life. Jeremiah 1.12 When you stand firm in faith, eventually you will receive the promise. So don't give up. Are you tired of waiting for your promotion at work? Are you ready to quit before you get your promotion? Don't let deferred hope steal your day of advancement. Whatever test you fail here, 
God will require you to repeat at the next job. Maybe you're considering compromising your integrity to gain favor with your boss or the company. This will only leave you empty. It's spiritual fool's gold, and it won't last. Don't succumb to it. Choose to play the long game with God and receive the prize from heaven. He will reward you 100-fold in this life and the one to come if you pass the test. Mark 10, 29 and 30. Don't fall prey to these common temptations. Maybe you're thinking of giving yourself a supplemental pay raise by using the company car or credit card for personal gain, charging personal lunches on the company account, adding extra hours to your time card or pay sheet, taking credit for work or projects someone else performed, using the company equipment for personal projects, spending company time for your personal web surfing needs, using software licensing agreements for your home computers, selling company secrets, stealing the company database before you quit and move to another company. Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Mark 10, 29-31, New International Version. Are you tired of waiting for the godly mate of your dreams from the Lord? Maybe you're considering compromising by dating God's second best. Don't make the same mistake Abraham did with his concubine Hagar, or Samson's mistake with the hairdresser named Delilah. You could end up with an Ishmael to raise for the next 21 years. Or worse yet, like Samson, your eyes could be plucked out and you could go to prison. God will forgive you, but it's better not to have to go through such problems in the first place. Don't compromise yourself emotionally or sexually. If you desire God's best, give God your best. A Proverbs 31 man like King Lemuel will receive a Proverbs 31 woman who is more precious than rubies or diamonds. On the other hand, lukewarm Samson or Bill or Tom or Dan or Ray Ray will be mesmerized and drawn in by seducing Delilah or Jill or Brooke or Meg or Shanika and all the baggage she brings with her. Therefore, allow God to change your name spiritually from Jacob, deceiver, to Israel, soldier of God. Allow God to first develop you into the man or woman of God, and you will receive the companion of your dreams from God. Stand firm and do not compromise what you know is God's highest standard. Your perfect puzzle piece match from the Lord is truly worth the wait. Are you tired of waiting for promotion and ministry at church? Maybe you've been tempted to speak against the person who is already in that position, or even the pastor or chaplain in charge because they failed to recognize you and your spectacular gifting. Maybe you're tempted to change churches. Maybe they'll recognize your gifting while being blind to your undeveloped character. Korah rebelled against Moses because he wanted his position. He, along with his 250 rebellious followers, was subsequently swallowed up in an earthquake sent by God. Numbers 16, 23 through 35. Don't make their mistake. Repent today and be free from deferred hope. Remember, 
King David didn't speak against Saul during the time God was growing character in him. This was an extended season, lasting nine long years while David was on the run from the Lord's ex-anointed. David inherited the kingdom when God promoted him and is recorded as being a man after God's own heart, Acts 13.22. Saul, on the other hand, died an early death by his own hand, 1 Chronicles 10.4. Make the right decision today by obeying God's way and not deferred hope's way. Are you tired of waiting to hear a fresh word from the Lord? Maybe you didn't do what God told you to do last time. Jonah ran from his calling, Jonah 1, 1 through 3, and ended up in the belly of a big fish. After he repented, God commanded the giant fish to vomit him onto the beach. The word of the Lord then came to Jonah a second time. It was the same word God told him the first time, Jonah 3, 1 to 2. If this is your situation, then go back to the first word and do it, asking the Lord to redeem the time or give you a second opportunity to obey Him. Or maybe you, like King Saul, went to a witch for advice from the spirit realm, 1 Samuel 28, 6-21. Maybe you did it by phone with a 1-900 psychic line at $3.99 a minute. Or was it a tarot card reader at a fair? Maybe it was a prophet or prophetess for hire through whom you're seeking the supernatural for advice. If so, repent and return to God right now. Then He will forgive your sin and begin speaking to you clearly once again. The spirit of Herod is also a spirit of worldliness. This spirit offers a variety of false comforters to administer to our needs while we suffer from deferred hope. Of course, these false comforters also stand between us and God. Let's identify some of the false comforters this spirit tempts us with while suffering from deferred hope. Chapter 6, False Comforters What are some of your false comforters? What do you spend your time doing? How have you compromised with the world to feel better or more comfortable while you wait for the fulfillment of His promise? Are you like Herod, who waited in his man-made temple of religion, satisfying himself with all kinds of food and drink while sleeping with his brother's wife? Mark 6.18 Remember, self-righteous Herod chopped off righteous John the Baptist's head after watching Herod's daughter perform a seducing dance? Matthew 14, 6-11. What are you watching on TV, the Internet, social media? Are you more interested in posting your latest picture, selfie, or video for virtual likes to help your self-esteem while waiting on God to promote you? What has caught your attention recently? What? Who? Or how have you been distracted from the course set before you? Are you on the narrow road that leads to everlasting life or the wide road that leads to destruction? Have you lost your spiritual vision? Have you cast off restraint? Or are you like righteous Joseph, who would rather be falsely accused of a rape charge and suffer years in prison unfairly than risk compromising or sinning against God? Genesis 39, 7-23. Remember the faithful example of Anna the prophetess, who waited 60 years in the temple with prayer and fasting, Luke 2, 36-38. Stand firm against the spirit of deferred hope and the many false comforters it offers, and you will be rewarded. 
The spirit of religion is also a false comforter from Satan. Religion can be defined as having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. 2 Timothy 3.5 Examine the lives of the Pharisees and Sadducees. This spirit of religion displaces a personal relationship with God with a set of man-made religious rules and standards. It produces only two extremes, condemnation for failing to comply with these standards, or self-righteousness based on performance. The Pharisees were self-righteous, while the common people of the day felt condemned. Jesus came to set the captives free. The Pharisees and Sadducees' spirit of religiosity helped orchestrate the murder of Jesus directly and indirectly through its manipulation. Cain was religious in the way he served God on his own terms. Are you serving God on your own terms or His? When God tried to correct Cain in the book of Genesis, Cain responded by murdering his brother Abel, Genesis 4, 2-8. This spirit of religion is still alive and well today. Is there someone in your church or workplace who you're currently murdering with your tongue? If so, repent. Don't yield to deferred hope and its influence through the fine-sounding arguments of false religion, form without power. Instead, choose to take the higher road that Jesus role-modeled for us. Jesus is the intercessor who forever lives to make intercession for the saints of God. Hebrews 7, 24-25 the devil is called the accuser of the brethren, Revelation 12:10-11. Has deferred hope caused you to inadvertently switch ministries? If so, get back to interceding. Whatever or whatever spirit has filled you will burst forth out of you during challenging times. Jesus said, "Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks." Luke 6:45. When you squeeze an orange, what do you get out of it? You might say, orange juice. But this may not be the case every time. You might get a worm. It depends on what's inside the orange. People tell me, he made me say it, or she made me say it, or the pressure got to me and made me do it. I say, when people, situations, life circumstances, or the enemy of your soul squeezes you, whatever is in you is what comes out of you. Don't blame the squeezer for what is on the inside of you. Accept responsibility. Ask God to forgive you, fill you with His Spirit afresh, and move forward in your walk with the Lord. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Matthew 12.34, New International Version. Chapter 7. Correct Responses to Hope Deferred Joseph was tried by the word of the Lord and found faithful. He properly stood against the spirit of hope deferred and emerged victorious to fulfill God's call on his life. And he sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons, till what he foretold came to pass, till the word of the Lord proved him true. The king sent and released him. The ruler of peoples set him free. He made him master of his household, ruler over all he possessed, to instruct his princes as he pleased, and teach his elders wisdom. 
Psalms 105, 17-22, New International Version. Joseph stood against deferred hope and reaped a harvest of leadership as prime minister over Egypt. God used him to save hundreds of thousands of lives. He remembered God's promise to him, and after 22 years, the dreams came to pass. God will do the same for you. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Galatians 6.9, New International Version. Elisha waited faithfully upon the prophet Elijah for 15 years. He rejected the spirit of deferred hope and received a double portion of the Holy Spirit. See Kings 2, 9, 13, and 14. Scripture records Elisha performing twice as many miracles as Elijah. God will do the same for you if you faithfully serve the person in ministerial authority over you until your day of promotion comes. Don't be like Gehazi who fell prey to deferred hope and ended up leprous and disqualified for the ministry. 2 Kings 5, 20-27 The mantle assigned to you will be passed to you at the proper time, if you wait for it. If not, God may give it to someone else. Choose to pass the test. You are a champion. Hebrews 10, 35-36, New King James Version Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Anna, the prophetess, waited faithfully on the consolation of Israel, Jesus, in the temple with prayer and fasting, Luke 2, 25-38. She received her promised Messiah, Jesus Christ. Such examples should encourage us to not be slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Hebrews 6.12, King James Version. Joseph battled deferred hope from age 17 to 30 before the promises God gave him by dreams in Genesis 37, 1-11 finally came to pass. His own brothers sold him into slavery to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, Genesis 37:28. He was placed into Potiphar's house for life, Genesis 39.1. Potiphar's wife tried to seduce Joseph to compromise him morally and sexually, Genesis 39.7-14. When he refused, she falsely accused him of rape, Genesis 39.15-18. He was thrown into prison on a false rape charge, Genesis 39.19-23, where he served God faithfully for the next decade, standing against deferred hope and believing the promises of God. God used Joseph to interpret the dreams of two of his fellow inmates, the cupbearer and baker, Genesis 46 to 22. When the cupbearer was released from prison in accordance with Joseph's interpretation and restored to Pharaoh's court, instead of helping Joseph get released, he forgot about him, Genesis 40, 23. Finally, at the time appointed by God, after God had completed the maturity process in Joseph, God gave Pharaoh a dream and caused the cupbearer to remember Joseph, the interpreter of dreams. Genesis 41, 1-9 Joseph was called out of prison by Pharaoh. Genesis 41, 14 Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream by the Spirit of the Lord. Genesis 41, 28-37 God caused Pharaoh to promote Joseph, who was a Jew in a pagan nation, to prime minister over all of Egypt. 
all for God's greater purposes, the ultimate saving of two nations from famine in the land. Joseph was supernaturally able to forgive his brothers, and with his new position as prime minister over grain and finance, also able to save his family members' lives. Because Joseph overcame the test of hope deferred, he was able to say these words to his brothers, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Genesis 50:20. Chapter 8. Hope Deferred Statistics. Divorce. The divorce rate has increased by 300% in the last 30 years. 50% of first-time marriages end in divorce. 60% of remarriages end in divorce. There are currently 2.5 million divorces every year in the U.S. alone. Suicide rates. The youth suicide rate has tripled the last 25 years. Suicide is the second leading cause of death in people ages 10 to 34. It's the fourth leading cause of death among people ages 35 to 54. And suicide is the tenth leading cause of death among all age groups. 25% of high school students seriously consider suicide every year, one-fourth of them. Psychiatric admissions account for 25% of all hospital admissions. 63% of suicides of youth are raised in a fatherless home. 90% of homeless runaway children. 85% of young people in prison are attributed to a fatherless home. 17 million adults have a depressive disorder. That's 7% of the U.S. population. This disorder was the leading cause of disability in America last year. Effects of Depression Serious depression is equivalent to smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. It doesn't take a toll on your physical heart, but it takes a toll on your spiritual man first, and then it can affect your physical heart. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Proverbs 13:12. Effects of hope deferred on pastors. 70% of pastors said they regularly fight depression. 80% of children of pastors seek professional help for depression. 50% of pastors stated they would leave the ministry if they could, but they can't find another way to make a living. Warning signs of hope deferred. Diminished desire or energy to go forward. Loss of spiritual vision, purpose, or calling. Feelings of frustration, anger, depression, disillusionment, confusion, and despair. Hope deferred is the common cold of the soul. It hinders you from dreaming and fulfilling your God-given dreams. There are six stages of hope deferred. Frustration, confusion, unbelief, disillusionment, cynicism, bitterness. If any of the above statistics were highlighted to you as you heard them, then you might be suffering from hope deferred. We must make a conscious decision for our hearts to hope again. God wants to deliver you today. Are you ready? Turn the page. Chapter 9. When a desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Proverbs 13:12. When a desire is fulfilled, it is like a tree of life being planted in our lives. This tree from the Lord bears fruit unto all around us. Even non-believers know that God has done something great for us. For example, 
When God delivered the children of Israel, this is what they sang as a song of praise. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Psalm 126, 1-3, King James Version. Your desired day is coming. Stand firm and don't lose hope. Do you need release from some sort of captivity? Do you need a sign from heaven that God is still with you? John the Baptist, while in prison, asked for one. When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Luke 7.20, New International Version. Jesus responded by showing John a sign for good, saying, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Luke 7, 22-23, New International Version. With this sign for good, John was strengthened in his faith and able to finish the course that was set before him. John was then able to confidently give his own head for his faith. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. Mark 6, 27-28, New International Version. Then Jesus said this about John, I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Luke 7:28, New International Version. Today, we know John the Baptist is in heaven, but where is Herod? What about his wife and seductively dancing daughter? How are you going to finish the course? Stand firm. Do not compromise. Do not lose hope. Do not give in. Do not give up. You are a finisher. Chapter 10. We could all use an injection of fresh hope from the Lord. A desire fulfilled is like a tree of life. Proverbs 13, 12. Do you need God to fulfill your desire? To stand against deferred hope and all its false comforters, we need a fresh injection of hope from the Lord. But is it appropriate to ask God for an injection of hope while combating this spirit? Can we ask God for a sign for good to encourage us and to silence our enemies? Let's look at three different translations of Psalm 86:17. Shew me a token for good, that they which hate me may see it and be ashamed, because thou, Lord, hast holpen or helped me and comforted me. King James Version. Give me a sign of your goodness, that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. New International Version. Show me a sign of thy favor, that those who hate me may see and be put to shame, because thou, Lord, hast helped me and comforted me. Revised Standard Version. The answer in the above verse is a resounding yes. A supernatural injection of hope is something the Lord desires to give us. It strengthens us in our faith and provides us with fresh vision and patience so that we might then inherit the promises of God. Hebrews 6.12 Remember, we have not because we ask not. James 4.2 Are you in need of an injection of fresh hope from the Lord to cast off and dispossess the spirit of deferred hope? If so, 
Get ready, because we're about to do a brief recap, and then together, ask God for His power to come upon us in the mighty name of Jesus. Chapter 11, A Brief Recap Deferred hope is both a mindset, real-life circumstances, and a demonic spirit. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, Ephesians 6.12. The spirit of deferred hope is subtle and can be a powerful deterrent against the realization and manifestation of God's promises for our lives. Today, we have been educated on the tactics of the enemy. We are no longer ignorant. Satan and his tactics have been exposed. Let's deal with this spirit right now through the authority God gave through His Word, the blood of Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 12, Prayer for Deliverance Lord, I recognize my need for deliverance from deferred hope. I ask you now, in the name of Jesus, to set me free from every stronghold of the enemy in my life. I humbly, yet boldly, ask for complete deliverance from the enemy's mindset, spiritual forces, and words that have been spoken into my life. I believe your promises concerning my life and will accept no compromise. I want all you have for me. Father, I ask for a sign for good, as the psalmist asked. Show me your faithfulness in some way today and in the days ahead, so that I might know you are with me. I thank you for a fresh injection of hope right now, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, let me pray for you like that dear saintly woman calmly prayed for me. Deferred hope, I name you and break you off this life right now in Jesus' name. I command you to both depart from them and never return. In its place, I release a desire fulfilled from the Lord right now over your life, which the Bible says is like a tree of life. I speak the shed blood of Jesus Christ between you and the adversary of your soul, and I release a blessing of perseverance on you right now by the authority of Jesus' name, I release renewed vision and the mind of Christ to fill your mind now. I speak full restoration of hope to your soul from this point forward. Amen. Chapter 13, Final Prayer Over You from David Harabedian Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to speak to us 2,000 years ago. Jesus, Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to guide us personally into all truth so that we might be changed into the image and likeness of the Son of God. Holy Spirit, tune the ears of my spirit to hear you when you speak whatever you hear from Jesus. I ask you to make it so clear not even a fool could misunderstand. I thank you for telling and showing me the things to come, as Jesus promised you will. Today, I ask you to teach me personally by the school of the Holy Spirit that I may learn to hear and obey the voice of God. I ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you richly as you become more and more sensitive to His voice. May God change you and then change the world around you by the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' mighty name. Chapter 14, Bonus Section taken from Hearing God 25 Ways by David C. Herabedian. Hearing God. Hearing God is the key for every miracle. 
Genuine faith for every miracle comes through hearing and obeying whatever Jesus tells us to do. In fact, the very key to unleashing the miraculous is found in the story of Jesus turning the water into wine. Mary told the servants, Whatever Jesus says to you, do it. John 2.5, New King James Version. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. Verse 7. Then Jesus gave them a second instruction, and he said to them, Draw some out now, and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. Verse 8. After obeying both instructions, it released a miracle, turning water into wine. When the master of the feast tasted the water made into wine, he declared, You have kept the good wine until now. This is the key that unleashes the miraculous, doing whatever Jesus tells us to do. Have you been hearing and obeying his instructions to you? Let me give you one more illustration. Why did Peter have faith to walk on water? Because he heard Jesus speaking. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said, Come. And when Peter had gone down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Faith to walk on water came to Peter from hearing the Master speak. Faith comes by hearing, Romans 10:17. Faith to continue to walk on water remained intact if Peter kept his eyes on Jesus. When Peter took his eyes off Jesus, his focus changed from the supernatural to the natural circumstances, and he sunk. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me! Verse 30. The same is true today. Faith initially comes by hearing God speak. This faith is sustained by keeping our eyes on the sea walker during life's storms to the contrary. How does Jesus speak today? God speaks to us through the agent of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Before Jesus went to the cross, he prophesied, When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. John 16:13, New King James Version. Since the source of all true faith comes from hearing God's word, and the Spirit of truth is the same Holy Spirit that lives within every Christian, then we can all hear the voice of God today. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. John 10.27, New King James Version. Are you ready to learn how to hear His voice? If so, read on. The most common way in which God speaks to us is through the written word, the Bible. This occurs about 90% of the time. If you're not already daily reading the Bible, I encourage you to begin today. This helps better position us to hear God's voice speaking to us through His infallible written word. While reading and studying, the Holy Spirit will then illuminate or quicken a specific verse or passage, causing it to literally lift off the page to us. This usually indicates God is trying to communicate with us. Have you been listening? Most Christians have experienced God speaking to them, whether young or mature, whether lambs or sheep. Possibly you've experienced something like this while reading the Bible with God or at a Bible study with others, but didn't recognize until now that this quickening was the Holy Spirit speaking to you. When we learn to hear His voice, 
quickening us through the written word, He will also begin to speak to us in several other biblical ways. As we are faithful with a few things, God is faithful to give us more as He carries us from faith to faith and from glory to glory as He changes us into the image and character of His Son. 2 Corinthians 3, 17-18 Being changed into the image of Jesus is the Father's desire. This comes by faith, and faith comes by hearing God speak and then obeying what He's saying to us in that hour. The Bible indicates the Holy Spirit also communicates the mind and heart of the Father through at least 25 other ways. Often, we talk to God in prayer, telling Him all our problems and needs, and this is certainly good, but true faith has two sides, faith and patience. Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises, Hebrews 6.12. True prayer involves not only talking to God, but also listening to Him. Sadly, we rarely wait long enough to hear Him speak back. The Bible says, Be still and know that I am God, Psalms 46.10. Those who wait upon the Lord, He will renew their strength, Isaiah 40.31, New King James Version. Are you remaining still during prayer and waiting before the Lord? If not, this may be the hindrance to hearing Him speak. As you study the following seven ways in which God speaks, I believe God will reveal two things. One, that He's already been speaking to you. And two, that He desires to speak to you more and more so the two of you can more deeply develop your relationship with each other. Can two walk together except they're in agreement? Amos 3.3 3. I believe God wants to bring us into agreement with heaven's will so we can effectively release God's will into the earth. His will is that none perish, but all come unto repentance. 2 Peter 3.9 Do you want to know His will? Do you want to be able to hear His voice, to release heaven's plans and purposes into the earth? If so, let's pray together now. Father, I desire to learn how to hear understand, and obey your voice. You say that your sheep hear your voice. By faith in Jesus, I am one of your sheep. I desire to grow from faith to faith so that I can be changed from glory to glory into the image and likeness of Jesus. I want to be able to effectively pray your will into the earth so that none will perish, but all will come under the saving knowledge of the truth. I ask you now to begin tuning my spiritual ears to hear your voice above all the other voices of the world. I want to develop from a lamb into a mature sheep. Take me to the next growth level in my walk with you. I desire to learn how to go from milk of the word to strong meat from your hand. Because your word says you are no respecter of persons and you show no partiality, I fully expect to begin hearing your voice regularly from this day forward. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Chapter 15, The Seven Primary Ways God Speaks Today. Number 1, Quickening of the Holy Spirit, Psalms 119, 25, 50, and 107, King James Version. The first and most common way God communicates to us is through His written word, I believe this accounts for the highest percentage of God's communication to His people. This is my comfort in my affliction, 
for thy word hath quickened me. Verse 50. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Verse 105. Quicken thou me according to thy word. Verse 25. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. He quickens us through his written word. To quicken means to make alive, revive, or bring to life. When we are faithful to read and study the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is faithful to teach us. Whether lambs or sheep in our maturity level, the Holy Spirit meets us at our own level and raises us to the next level and the next and the next. While we grow in righteousness from faith to faith, none of us ever fully arrive in this life. The Christian walk is an ongoing growth process from glory to glory. We are always learning more. Because of this, the same verse of Scripture we've read a dozen times before will suddenly come alive as the Holy Spirit illuminates, teaches, convicts, or directs us to some sort of action. It may be something as simple as fasting. When we obey this prompting, God's blessing will follow. The Holy Spirit may have just convicted you while hearing this last sentence. If so, this is likely God's voice calling you to a fast. Stop here and ask Him how long He wants you to fast and for what reason. Then, do whatever He says. Always remember, the primary way in which God speaks to His children is through the quickening of His written word. All other ways in which God speaks will come into alignment with His written word. Even when Jesus, our example, spoke to the disciples on the road to Emmaus shortly after His resurrection from the dead, He quickened the written word to their hearts. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Luke 24:32, New King James Version. Once we're familiar with the written word, the standard for testing all other revelation, God will also begin speaking to us through a variety of other spiritual ways to provide us with specific details for our lives and the lives of those around us. He might tell us a specific person to minister to and how to do it to bring them to Christ. Or he might tell us who to marry, what house to buy, where or when to move, what stock to invest in, whom to do business with, and who not to do business with, how much and where to give financially, what ministry, the timing, and for what purpose. He may give us specific instruction on how to lay hands on a sick person to release heaven's healing power, administer deliverance, or how to pray for someone otherwise effectively. When God speaks such specific things, we can search the written word for confirmation. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error, 1 John 4, 6. With this foundation properly established, we now move on to the various other ways God speaks to us today. Chapter 16. Number 2. Internal Unction. The second most common way God speaks to us is through the unction of the Holy Spirit. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. 1 John 2.20 King James Version. The Holy Ghost unction enables us to know things supernaturally that cannot otherwise be known or naturally explained. As we mature, the unction of the Holy Spirit will begin to provide more detailed information through the revelation gifts of the Spirit, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, and prophecy, 
See 1 Corinthians 12, 7-10. While we are still baby lambs, the Holy Ghost unction will usually come with less details than this, and often in more subtle ways. For example, we might find ourselves saying, I don't know how I know, I just know. This is usually the Holy Spirit's unction giving our hearts a witness that something is true. The Holy Spirit might also give us a check or caution in our spirit that something's not true or is in error. One preacher describes this internal unction as the green light that tells us to go, the red light that tells us to stop, and the yellow light that says proceed with caution. Some people refer to this as being their intuition. Still others refer to this as the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. The King James Version of the Bible calls it the unction of the Holy Spirit. The New International Version calls it an anointing from the Holy One. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. 1 John 2.20, New International Version. Some Christians say, I just know in my knower. Regardless of the terminology we use to identify this avenue of God speaking to us, biblically, we can agree that the source of this internal knowing is the third person of the Trinity. This is the Holy Spirit communicating heaven's will to our human spirit so we can effectively live the Christian life. When we obey God's voice speaking to us through this inward way, things usually work out well. When we ignore or disobey this unction, things many times turn out very badly. Most prisoners I've spoken with have said, I knew something was wrong just before I got arrested, but I ignored my gut feeling about it, and here I am. God even speaks to sinners through such conviction at times to warn them of impending doom. I know He clearly spoke to me this way while I was deep in sin, but I shrugged it off and disobeyed. Here I am too. The adage applies here. Fool me once, devil, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. May we all learn to recognize and heed God's voice speaking to us today and every day in the future until Jesus' return. Chapter 17 Number 3. Perceiving This is similar to an unction, but it usually comes with more details. Before Paul boarded the ship as a prisoner on his way to Rome, he advised the captain, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Acts 27.10, King James Version. Paul received a word of knowledge that provided him with specific details concerning disaster and loss if they proceeded further on the voyage. The Holy Spirit provided Paul with an inward perceiving that things were about to go awry. The centurion of the ship ignored Paul's words of warning. The centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. Verse 11. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Proverbs 3, 5-6 Because the centurion disobeyed the inward perceiving Paul received from the Lord, the ship and its 276 passengers later sailed into disaster. When this occurred, because Paul had previously announced the problem, Paul was about to speak a second time with more authority. Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. Verse 21 Paul not only spoke a second time, 
but also began to fast and intercede during the storm, praying for everyone's deliverance. Fourteen days later, God responded to Paul's prayer by speaking again. This time, God sent Paul a visitation from a messenger angel with additional instructions from heaven. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Verse 24. Paul communicated God's message to the centurion in charge. The centurion took heed this time, obeying the voice of God speaking through Paul, and everyone on board was saved. The entire ship and its contents, however, were lost in the sea. Verse 44. When we obey inward perceivings given to us by the Spirit, this will help us to avoid unnecessary shipwrecks and related losses. Chapter 18, Number 4, God's Still Small Voice This is another common way that God speaks to His children. When the Holy Spirit's still small voice speaks to us, it usually comes with specific words in our spirit. It may be a single word, a sentence, a phrase, or a full paragraph of communication. The Holy Spirit speaks these words to our human spirit, and they rise or float upwards into our mind and understanding. We hear His voice in our spirit, where the Holy Spirit resides on the inside of us. Then, as these words float or rise up into our minds, they provide us with a message, instruction, direction, or an understanding on a matter. This is not to be confused with our regular thoughts or words we sometimes hear in our mind. This is usually the voice of our own soul, our fleshly thinking, the world, or our enemy, the devil. God's still small voice comes from inside our spirit and rises into our thinking, whereas the devil's voice speaks to us from outside our person and into our head. Elijah experienced the still small voice of God. And behold, the Lord passed by, but the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still small voice. So it was, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle, and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave, and suddenly a voice came to him. 1 Kings 19, 11-13, King James Version. God was not in the wind, earthquake, or fire, but manifested Himself in a still small voice to Elijah. God's still small voice will line up with His written word and is accompanied by supernatural peace. One way to discern the Lord's voice from the other voices of the world is this. The Holy Spirit convicts, leads, guides, directs, prompts, and occasionally prods us. The devil's voice, on the other hand, pushes, condemns, and brings anxiety to our souls. The devil's voice also results in fleshly works, pride, and the glorification of man instead of God. The devil's goal is to get us to place confidence in ourselves instead of God. Why? Because the devil knows that if he can tempt us to miss the mark or sin in this way, it will result in heaven's judgment against us. An example of this is found in the Old Testament. King David was tempted by Satan to number his army. This was a fleshly work and resulted in judgment. Now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. 
1 Chronicles 21.1, New King James Version. And God was displeased with this thing. Therefore, he struck Israel. 1 Chronicles 21.7, New King James Version. We must learn to distinguish between the Lord's voice and the enemy's voice. Obeying God's voice brings blessing, while obeying the devil's voice brings a curse. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James 4, 6-7, New King James Version. Chapter 19, Number 5, Bearing Witness with Our Spirit. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Romans 8, 16, New King James Version. The Holy Spirit bears witness when something is of God. He is the Spirit of Truth. This goes a long way with the above internal unction and inward perceiving, and every born-again believer has this inward witness to truth in their born-again spirits. An example of this might be when someone is speaking truth, whether from the pulpit or in an everyday conversation. The Holy Spirit will bear witness with our human spirit that this is truth. At times, our spirits may even amen what is spoken before we understand with our minds what has been said. Just the opposite will also occur when error is spoken. The Holy Spirit gives us a check or a caution in our spirit that something isn't quite right. This also may occur before the person finishes speaking, or maybe even before they begin to talk. This is God protecting us. When we obey, we are blessed. When we disobey, things don't go so well. Number 6. Songs in the Night Where is God, my Maker? who gives songs in the night, Job 35.10, New King James Version. God will sometimes speak to us as we sleep by singing in our spirits a song in the night. It could be a song of deliverance, peace, wisdom, forgiveness, victory, encouragement, or faith. Sometimes He even serenades us as His bride, the bride of Christ. When we wake up from an evening of songs in the night, we find ourselves rested and refreshed, ready for the day. This causes us to have God's words in our mouths for the day. Number 7. In our ear as we wake in the morning. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. Isaiah 54, New King James Version. Many times while in bed, somewhere between a sleep state and becoming fully awake, God will speak in our ear an instruction, word of encouragement, warning, or direction for the day. This prepares us with His revelation and strategy for victory. The psalmist said, I speak of things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Psalms 145.1 King James Version. When we've been in touch with the king, our tongue becomes ready to speak the words of God. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. 1 Peter 4.11, New Revised Standard Version. Chapter 20, Seven Reasons We Don't Hear God Speaking, with scriptural cures for each. The Bible indicates there are several reasons for not hearing God speak. These can also hinder or distort our God-given ability to hear His voice accurately. These are fairly evident and self-explanatory. For additional study, refer to listed scriptures. Number 1 unrepentant sin. 
Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear you. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. The cure is repentance and confession. 1 John 1, 9 and 10, and Psalm 51, 1 to 19. Number two, unbelief. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. John 6.40 Jesus left there and went to His hometown, accompanied by His disciples. When the Sabbath came, He began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard Him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Mark 6, 1-3. The cure is repentance. 1 John 1, 9 and 10. And asking God to help us with our unbelief. Mark 9.24 Number 3. Feelings of Unworthiness Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The cure is knowing the truth. Romans 8.1 1 John 3.20 and 21 You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.37 Number 4. Unforgiveness When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, Forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Mark 11.25 The cure is forgiving yourself and others. Mark 11.26, Matthew 6.12 Number 5. Anger towards God The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God, it does not submit to God's laws, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8, 6-8 The cure is repentance and asking God for His love in our hearts. 1 John 1, 9 and 10 and 4, 19 Number 6. Fear Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Proverbs 29.25 The cure is repentance and asking God for His love and faith in place of fear. 1 John 4.17-18 and 2 Timothy 1.7, also 2 Corinthians 4.13. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7, New King James Version. Number 7. Idolatry some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat down in front of me. Then the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts and put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Should I let them inquire of me at all? Therefore speak to them and tell them that this is what the Sovereign Lord says. When any of the Israelites set up idols in their hearts and put a wicked stumbling block before their faces and then go to a prophet, I, the Lord, will answer them myself in keeping with their great idolatry. Ezekiel 14, 1-4 For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie 
and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. 2 Thessalonians 2, 10-12 The cure is repentance, and asking God to cleanse you from idols, hidden sin, and secret faults. See Psalms 19, 12, and 13, and Psalm 51, 1 through 19. Chapter 21, Seven Keys to Properly Hearing God. The following is a brief listing of seven biblical keys to properly hearing God. Utilizing these keys will help place us in a better position to hear from heaven. Key number one, dwell in His presence. As we cultivate the presence of the Lord in our lives, we become more aware of when God speaks. This often occurs naturally as we spend consistent time with Him in devotions. This may begin with 15 minutes a day at first, then develop into 30 minutes, then 45 minutes, and finally an hour or two. This devotional time may include singing unto the Lord, worship, devotional reading, study of Scripture, and prayer. As we spend consistent time in His presence, we will find that true prayer with God is not just a monologue, a one-way communication, telling God all our problems, petitions, and needs. Genuine prayer is a dialogue, two-way communication, God speaking back to us and imparting His love, truth, plans, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, as well as correction and instruction. See Psalms 91. Key number two, focus on God's purposes. As we cultivate a deepening commitment to the purposes of God, we position ourselves to receive prophetic revelation from Him. Amos 3.7 says that God will do nothing except He first reveal it to His servants, the prophets. Part of David C. Herobedian's being prophetic is being a servant of the Lord. A servant's highest goal is to see his master's purpose succeed. Before we go out each day, we should first ask Him to reveal His plan and our part in helping Him accomplish it for the furtherance of His kingdom. This is why I believe Jesus was able to say, Most assuredly, I say unto you, the Son of Man can do nothing of Himself but what He sees the Father do. For whatever He does, the Son also does in like manner. John 5:19, New King James Version. Key number three, ask God continually. The Lord desires to give us the kingdom, Luke 12:32. Like any parent, He loves when we are eager and hungry to help others. If we ask the Lord for prophetic revelation to minister to others more effectively, He will often respond by speaking to us. See Colossians 1, 9-13 and Jeremiah 33, 3. Jesus told us to ask, seek, and knock, Matthew 7, 7. In the original Greek language the New Testament was written in, these three words are what is referred to as the present imperative tense. The present imperative tense denotes a command to do something now with a constant repeated action in the future. This means that Jesus is not only directing us to ask, seek, and knock, but to do so continually. This passage could be better translated, ask and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be opened unto you. Matthew 7, 7. Asking God continually is a powerful key to receiving from the Lord. 
also see Jesus' example of the persistent widow, Luke 18, 1-10. Key number four, grow in love towards others. God's spiritual gifts are given so that we can effectively minister Jesus' grace to others, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. True discernment is a byproduct of godly love, Philippians 1, 9. The Bible says, faith works by love, Galatians 5, 6. And as we grow in love for others, we are positioning ourselves to receive prophetic revelation. Asking God to fill us with a deeper measure of His love for others will help expedite this process. We are more effective in reaching people with the gospel when our love level is higher than their issue level. When approaching someone with a more difficult issue, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you with a level that exceeds the person's issues and you will minister to them out of an outflow of the Father's love for them. Key number five, do a body check. Whenever entering a meeting or ministry situation or talking with someone, remember God speaks through all five spiritual senses, spiritual smell, touch, taste, as well as sight and hearing. Because of this, it's wise to do an initial body check. What I mean by this, is that God may be giving you an impression in your spirit, soul, or body. If this occurs, you will be ready to hear God speak through this avenue of communication while ministering. Making yourself aware of your total being and being open to God using impressions to get your attention and then speaking to you about a person or situation can greatly enhance your effectiveness in ministry situations. Key number six, seek God through prayer and fasting. Isaiah chapter 58 promises us that prayer and fasting will release God's answer to our cry, verse 8, and that the Lord will guide us continually, verse 11. Additionally, Jesus told his disciples that certain things can only be accomplished through the combination of prayer and fasting. See Mark 9:29 and Matthew 17:21 King James Version. Fasting not only strengthens our spirit to hear from God, but it also weakens the voice of our flesh. It's like having two radios in the same room playing different stations. Turning up the volume on your spiritual radio and turning down the volume on your fleshly radio will enable you to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit more easily. And key number seven, become a lover of God's written word. The Bible is our more sure word of prophecy. 2 Peter 1, 19-21 if we love God's written word and feed our soul on it, we will begin to grow in our sensitivity to his spoken word as well. This will also enable us to hear him more clearly when he communicates through dark sayings or in riddles that need interpretation. Numbers 12.8 King James Version When we are faithful with God's written word, the Holy Spirit will illuminate our understanding and bring into remembrance all things that God has spoken to us. John 14.26 I encourage you to seek God daily through His written word and trust Him to add all these other things unto you over time. He who is faithful with little will be given authority over much. See Matthew 25:21. By making these seven disciplines a part of our lives, we will begin to grow in our sensitivity to the various ways God speaks. As we grow, we will be amazed at how clearly we can receive revelation we previously didn't notice. When we begin to more consistently recognize His voice, 
we can then begin developing our ability to interpret the prophetic revelation or information we receive. Then we can begin asking God for wisdom, for proper application and benefit for those whom He has given us revelation and interpretation. Chapter 22, The Baptism of the Holy Spirit My name is Rod Howard. As a voiceover talent, I've produced a number of audiobooks over the years. As a passionate lover of Jesus Christ and one who's witnessed many lives transformed by His power, I really don't have any interest in producing fiction books or books whose focus is entertainment. The only audiobook projects I really want to produce are those that are powerfully inspired by Holy Spirit and draw people to Jesus where they discover that they are that pearl of great price that He was willing to lay down all of heaven and even His own life for. This is one of those books. When Dr. David Harabedian and I were introduced, during our very first conversation, Holy Spirit showed me that just like Jesus described Nathaniel in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 47, Dr. David Harabedian is a man in which there is no guile. The Bible describes that as someone who's trustworthy, truthful, honest, a straight shooter, a stand-up guy. It's like having supernatural integrity, or as I like to put it, he is the real deal. In the short time I've known him, Dr. David has had a powerful impact on my life, and I believe Holy Spirit has chosen this time to bring the liberating truths of this book to millions of people whose hope has been deferred, especially after all the things we've been through the last few years. This book is one in a series of 15 books inspired by Holy Spirit to bring supernatural freedom from bondage. Dr. David Harabedian's amazing life story is a testimony of God's power to break those chains forever and truly set you free. Now, your very first response to being liberated will likely be the same as everyone else whose chains have been shattered. Overwhelming thankfulness and deep, heartfelt gratitude. And you're going to want to immediately find others that are bound and help them get free. You will need the raw power of the Holy Spirit in order to minister this freedom effectively. You need to be filled to the brim and overflowing with the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit so that you can say what Paul said, I don't come to you with eloquent words so that your faith will rest on the wisdom of man. I come to you with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith will rest on the power of God. If you've never received the infilling or baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, or you need a fresh infilling of His presence in your life, this is your moment. Pray this prayer with all the passion in your heart, like someone dying of thirst longs for a cool, clear drink of water. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gifts you have freely given me so that I can walk in your love and power. You said in Luke 11:13, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Based upon your word, I ask you from my heart for the Holy Spirit baptism of fire, power, and love right now in Jesus' mighty name. I repent 
of anything I've been in agreement with against this gift. I also ask you to give me my personal prayer language of tongues so I can pray to you in secret and see your power released in, through, and around me in public. By faith now, I fully expect to experience this empowerment for service from you, and I fully expect to speak in other tongues now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now spend a few minutes with the Lord. Just lift your hands like a child reaching up to his heavenly Father and allow the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh. When you do this, a new prayer language will often come up from your belly and bubble forth through your lips. This language may also come while you lie down and pray, like it did with me years ago. If you allow the Holy Spirit to have freedom with your mouth in the same way you allowed the enemy to in days gone by, your whole life and the atmosphere around you will be transformed as heaven fills you. Go ahead, take some time alone with the Lord. Chapter 22, The Baptism of the Holy Spirit My name is Rod Howard. As a voiceover talent, I've produced a number of audiobooks over the years. As a passionate lover of Jesus Christ and one who's witnessed many lives transformed by His power, I really don't have any interest in producing fiction books or books whose focus is entertainment. The only audiobook projects I really want to produce are those that are powerfully inspired by Holy Spirit and draw people to Jesus where they discover that they are that pearl of great price that He was willing to lay down all of heaven and even His own life for. This is one of those books. Dr. David Harabedian and I were introduced by a close friend, and since that time, he's had an amazing impact on my life. And I believe Holy Spirit has chosen this time to bring the liberating truths of this book to millions of people whose hope has been deferred, especially after all the things we've been through the last few years. This book is one in a series of 15 books inspired by Holy Spirit to bring supernatural freedom from bondage. Dr. David Harabedian's amazing life story is a testimony of God's power to break those chains forever and truly set you free. Now, your very first response to being liberated will likely be the same as everyone else whose chains have been shattered. Overwhelming thankfulness and deep, heartfelt gratitude. And you're going to want to immediately find others that are bound and help them get free. You will need the raw power of the Holy Spirit in order to minister this freedom effectively. You need to be filled to the brim and overflowing with the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit so that you can say what Paul said, I don't come to you with eloquent words so that your faith will rest on the wisdom of man. I come to you with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith will rest on the power of God. If you've never received the infilling or baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, or you need a fresh infilling of its presence in your life, this is your moment. Pray this prayer with all the passion in your heart, like someone dying of thirst longs for a cool, clear drink of water. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gifts you have freely given me so that I can walk in your love and power. 
You said in Luke 11:13, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Based upon your word, I ask you from my heart for the Holy Spirit baptism of fire, power, and love right now in Jesus' mighty name. I repent of anything I've been in agreement with against this gift. I also ask you to give me my personal prayer language of tongues so I can pray to you in secret and see your power released in, through, and around me in public. By faith now, I fully expect to experience this empowerment for service from you, and I fully expect to speak in other tongues now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now spend a few minutes with the Lord. Just lift your hands like a child reaching up to his heavenly Father and allow the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh. When you do this, a new prayer language will often come up from your belly and bubble forth through your lips. This language may also come while you lie down and pray, like it did with me years ago. If you allow the Holy Spirit to have freedom with your mouth in the same way you allowed the enemy to in days gone by, your whole life and the atmosphere around you will be transformed as heaven fills you. Go ahead, take some time alone with the Lord. Chapter 23, Some Ways You Can Be Personally Involved in Spreading His Gospel and Extending His Kingdom. In 2015, I had a dream I call the King's Crown Dream. The Bible ministry to prisoners was struggling for financial support. The tree of books vision the Lord gave me for this ministry in a Leavenworth Penitentiary prison cell nearly 25 years earlier was powerful and much needed. The lack of finances to get Bibles to prisoners left me mystified and broken. God, you said that we're to remember those in prison as if bound with them. Jesus told us that if we did something for the prisoner, every time we did it to him personally. How can this die, God? Why aren't people supporting this fruitful Bible ministry? My life was changed and I saw many inmates who were radically changed by receiving a study Bible. I don't get it. Without a Bible, I wouldn't have known you. I wouldn't have been set free from my old sinful ways. I wouldn't have been able to maneuver behind bars, and I would have relied on what people said instead of what you say. Look at how many people have worked sacrificially to help keep Bibles going into prisons. Please, help me understand, God. Reflecting on the previous five years, only one church where I'd preached or shared my testimony had supported Heart of America Prison Ministries. In fact, a couple of churches had taken up offerings while I spoke, promising they would use a portion of the funds for our Bible ministry, but we never received anything. I sought the Lord, asking Him what the next steps were. No answers came. I went to sleep hurt, frustrated and somewhat flustered at the lack of interest from the body of Christ in this area of God's heart, the prisoners who needed and had requested a Bible. At exactly 4.35 a.m., I awoke from a very clear and vivid dream, indicating God's continued love for the prisoners. The dream opened with me looking through a box of my 83-year-old mother's letters 
determining what to discard and what to keep. I picked up a handwritten letter from my mother to a well-respected international television ministry. The letter was written more than 10 years ago, but was never sent. It asked for money to buy Bibles for prisoners, Hebrews 13.3, Matthew 25.36-41. In the dream, I noticed the back of the envelope was covered with hundreds of tiny social security numbers representing the ID number of each prisoner who was still waiting for their leather-bound study Bible. As I turned the paper over, like an accordion, it sprang into the shape of a three-dimensional king's crown. The social security numbers were on the inside of the crown, and my mother's unsent words were on the outside. God showed me His heart of compassion for the prisoners waiting for their study Bibles in this dream. The Father's heart rose in me in the dream, along with the unanswered cry of my mother's heart. And then I awoke. Back when I was in prison five years into my journey to freedom, I was with a former prisoner named Jeff who had directed my mother to write that letter. Jeff had helped fund that ministry, spent countless hours with the pastor and his wife, and saved them from losing their multi-million dollar property when a balloon payment came due. He told my mother to contact them and mention his name. She wrote the letter, but instead of it going into the mail, it inadvertently got placed in a box. We may have forgotten about it, but the Lord didn't, which he showed me in the dream 18 years later. When I awoke, I followed up to obey the Lord. I sent an email sharing the dream and asking for wisdom and guidance. No response ever came. I believe when I meet the leaders of this ministry one day and relate the dream and history in person, the Lord will redeem the time. We may have missed our day of visitation, but God showed us another way. My good friend Jeff Gay was now at the helm as the president of Heart of America Prison Ministries. We were motivated by the power of the dream. We were re-inspired and pressed into the Lord, remembering the Bible taught, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, by many or by few, 1 Samuel 14.6. During my 20 years behind bars, I once calculated that I spent about 1,000 hours a year in the Word, representing 20,000 hours of study. This was another thing about which I spoke with the Lord. Lord, thank you for transforming my life as I read your Word. It helped me immensely to have a durable Bible with commentary, dictionary, study notes, concordance, maps, etc. God, you've shown me numerous prisoners with similar testimonies who've received one of these quality Bibles. Jeff and I then prayed specifically about the need, but this time with resolve and confidence. We knew that through intense study and much use, the higher quality Bibles wouldn't fall apart as a paperback does. The Holy Spirit highlighted the main difference between the 2,000 prisoners on our Bible waiting list who waited up to two years for their Bible and the majority of Christians in the free world. The prisoner actually takes the time to read their Bible, often for hours and hours a day. Prisoners need a high-quality Bible more than the average Christian on the outside. Jeff and I brought our case on behalf of the prisoners before the courtroom of heaven. We sensed God's gavel slam as His verdict was decreed on the prisoner's behalf. The first thing God did was provide unusual deals on first-quality study Bibles. 
A $60 study Bible was suddenly reduced to $10, 83% off. An $80 study Bible for $15 was 79% off. We were used to paying about $20 wholesale and around $5 to $8 shipping and handling for these four-pound Bibles. The special prices falling into our laps were very unusual and would only last a few days. The next thing God did was raise up people to take advantage of this window of donation opportunity. Jeff would share the temporary price we could purchase at, and I'd contact people in the Holy Spirit's direction. The first time, I sent out four simple text messages. Within 24 hours, all four people responded. Yes, David, I'll donate 25. Here's my credit card for $250. Sure, put me down for 30 Bibles. Another called, 40 Bibles for me. And the fourth said, yes, I'll buy 70 Bibles. Next, the Holy Spirit prompted me to send a shipping opportunity to several people at $6 to $8 per Bible. The responses came in, I'll pay the shipping for 10 Bibles. Another replied, 20 Bibles. Put me down for 100 Bibles, and I'm sending $500. Every time we sought the Lord, people responded. The hand of God doesn't move without prayer. God wants us to seek His face daily. We have true authority to the degree we are in relationship with the King. I thought of something I'd heard for years. No prayer, no power. Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. Jeff and I had bombarded heaven together almost every day by phone. As we sought God, Bibles began to flow through the ministry to the prisoners again. At the time of this writing, Heart of America is providing study Bibles in more than 1,500 state and federal prisons. It seems we always have a waiting list of over a 1,000, which simply speaks to God's massive work behind bars, drawing hearts to His. With financial support and hands-on help, we all are helping change lives one Bible at a time. Many have asked how they can help change a life. If you'd like to make a difference in a prisoner's life as someone did for me, go to heartprisonministries.org now. You can make a one-time donation or enroll in our Raise Up 12 Disciples Behind Bars monthly giving program for a dollar a day, $30 monthly donation. As you hear this, I believe Jesus has these men on His mind. In fact, their numbers are written on the inside of His crown. The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Matthew 25:40, New International Version. To donate online, visit heartprisonministries.org. God transformed my life as I read the Bible, and having a first-quality Bible with commentary, a dictionary, study notes, concordance, maps, etc., helped me tremendously. Have you read the Bible recently? If not, remember this maxim. The Bible will either keep you from Satan, or Satan will keep you from your Bible. Read it daily to be wise and strong, and consider paying it forward for a prisoner on our Bible waiting list or giving monthly to help us raise up 12 disciples behind bars this year. Visit heartprisonministries.org and help change a life today. Thank you for praying and obeying. Now, this is the end of our audiobook, Hope Deferred. If you've enjoyed this one, we recommend our other books, 15 total, from our Freedom from Bondage series. 
Many readers highly recommend my autobiography, available on our shop link, virtualchurchmedia.com, and on Amazon in paperback, hardback, and Kindle formats.